So um, Dalziel in the worship, he alluded to the sermon series that we're going through at the moment. And for those of you who don't know, we've been going through a series called Dangerous Prayers. And even the title is quite threatening, right? Why on earth would I be praying dangerous prayers? And the reality is, left to our own devices, who do we tend to look after first? Uno numero. I tend to look after me and my family. So what are the kinds of prayers that I pray for? Lord, bless me. Lord, be with me. Lord, help me. At the moment, my kids are going through exams. And so when we get to dinner time, we pray for the food. Um, one of the things that I always joke about, because I tend to cook most of the meals at home, you know, the, the, the way we pray, and Lord bless their hands that made it. Because I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm the cook at home so that my hands can be blessed as well. But every night we pray for the food, and then we pray, and Lord help us with the exams which is a good prayer to be praying. And so most of our prayers are gonna be orientated towards my needs, my will, and what I want. Now that's not entirely bad, but if we stop there, our prayers will never change us. We will never be transformed. I don't know if you've ever thought about this question. Do you think that following Jesus should make your life safer? I mean, let's just think about the disciples. They had career plans. They had their paths laid out. They had their hopes and their dreams. They had their org charts. They had what, you know, their five-year plan and their 10-year plan and when we're gonna have kids. And when Jesus came along, did that just accelerate their dream board? Did that just make life so awesome, so comfortable, so easy and so prosperous? No, things changed radically in their lives. To put it bluntly, Jesus radically disrupted their lives. From that point onwards, their lives didn't look the same. Their lives were unpredictable and exciting. Their lives looked more like an adventure than anything else. Jesus led them way beyond their comfort zone, led them to do things that required way more risk, led them to take way more sacrifice in their lives. And to a T, despite what it cost them, despite the sacrifice and the risk and the discomfort, every single one of them would say, but it was worth it. And so is Jesus just a magic little genie that I happen to be able to tap into to make my life safer and more comfortable? And I think even if we look at the nature of Jesus calling and the ministry he calls us, his disciples too, I think the answer is no. And so the series is designed to give us the courage to pray these dangerous prayers. And so today's dangerous prayer doesn't come from a prophet, it, it does, but before he was a prophet. Doesn't come from this mature believer. Comes from the mouth of a little boy, and some of you know this little boy, his name is Samuel. And just for some context, he was probably at the time of the story, he was probably a preteen, about the, the age of my youngest son, so kind of 10, 11, 12 years old. He was working in the tabernacle at the time for a priest called Eli. 
And it wasn't this wonderful calling. It wasn't this wonderful time of being called into full-time ministry. If anything, things were chaotic in the temple at the moment. Things are painted so badly. What we see is Eli is out of control. Well, his family is out of control. He's spiritually apathetic. His sons are, are, are just oppressing people, are stealing from the tabernacle, are literally sleeping with some of the women working at the tabernacle. So this is the context into which this little boy is serving at the tabernacle. One night, Samuel goes to sleep, and as he's about to fall asleep, he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. And so he assumes this must be Eli. He needs me to get something for him. Hey, Eli, can I help you? What do you mean? Go back to sleep, Samuel. Goes back to sleep. Here's his name again, twice. Samuel, Samuel. Oh, maybe Eli remembered what he needed. Eli, how can I help you? No, it wasn't me. So it happened the first time, a second time. On the third time, Eli realized something else is going on here. And so he says here in 1 Samuel 3, verses 9, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening to me. And that is the dangerous prayer that we're going to be encouraged to pray this morning and as a church. Speak, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Now, for those of you who've been journeying with us over this past year, whether in life groups or here on Sundays, this is not new news for us. We as a church do believe that God can and does still speak to us in wonderful and mysterious and miraculous ways. And so we have been having that conversation and how can we lean into God's voice? And we're in many ways going to continue to do that. But I wonder how many of you have heard the story and have said, God, it would have been so much easier if you could just speak to me like that. Just cut the discernment, cut the, is this God, is this me, is it the Spirit, is it the bad pizza from last night? Lord, just speak audibly and then I will know, right? How many of you have thought that? I've thought that. I still remember there was one moment where I thought I did hear my name. And I'm like looking around, I can't hear anything and, you know, feel quite foolish. Okay, speak, Lord. Apparently that wasn't God. Uh, so who knows what is going on there. But I've wondered about that. And, and, and here's what I want to say on that. And the first one is, you know, here's we've got a case where Samuel did hear the audible voice of God and it still took him four times to figure it out. And so that's just grace for us as we're trying to figure out God's voice that even when it is as clear as his audible voice, we're still not always going to nail it first time. And so just be encouraged on that journey. The second thought that I have for us here is, listen, if God could speak, that would be so awesome. But for so many of us, the story in our imagination stops there. This amazing moment of God speaking audibly to Samuel. But if you read on, what you will see is that it wasn't an easy thing that God had to say to him. 
God wasn't calling him to a more comfortable, easy life. In fact, God had an incredibly challenging assignment for him, which we're going to get into in a second. And so at this point, some of you are saying, well, Stephen, if that is the case, then maybe I don't want to hear God's voice. But even if we think through all the stories in Scripture where God speaks clearly to his people, I'd say 99.9% of the times God is calling them to step out of their comfort zone. God is calling them to stretch their faith. God is calling them to a life that is unpredictable. I mean, think about Noah. Hey, Noah, I want you to build an ark. What is Noah's first words? What's an ark? (laughs) They're in the middle of the desert for crying out loud. They've got no idea what torrential downpours look like. Build this huge boat, Noah, why? Because I am bringing judgments to this violence and ungodly people. Comfortable? No ways. What about Jonah? Hey, Jonah, I want to bring revival. And him together with the rest of us are like, amen, Lord, we want revival. Oh, but Jonah, I want to bring revival to your oppressors. I want to bring revival to the group of people that have brought violence to your people, that have literally flayed some of them alive. What does Jonah do? Cheers, God, I'm going in the opposite direction. And so whether we think about Noah, whether we think about Jonah, whether we think about Abraham, the prophets, Mary, Elizabeth, Jesus himself, whenever God speaks clearly to his people, he is inviting them to something extremely challenging and uncomfortable and so worth it. And the list goes on and on and on. And so right at the beginning, I want us to come to terms with this idea that if we're gonna have the courage to pray these words, speak to me, Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servants is listening. I wanna be honest with you so that you know what you may be in for. So that you know this is a dangerous prayer, a faith-building prayer, a risky prayer, but a prayer that is so worth it when it comes to the kingdom of God. You see, now let's go to what God had for Samuel to do. He, his Samuel's, uh, uh, what Samuel heard from God wasn't the typical desires for an 11, 12-year-old boy. What God said to Samuel wasn't, you know, that test that you didn't study for, you're going to get an A tomorrow. That's not what God said. Hey, Samuel, you know, you know the daughter of the family that comes around worshiping the tabernacle? She's going to be your future wife. That's not what God said to him. I don't know what 11, 12 boys dream about. I know mine dream about being YouTube stars. Hey, Samuel, you're gonna be a YouTube star. That's not what God said to him. I know some little boys that love fast cars. And so in Samuel's case, hey, Samuel, you know that big, bad, dangerous camel that you want? You're gonna get it tomorrow morning. That's not what God said. Let me tell you what God said, and you can go read this for yourself. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, I described to you the context of the tabernacle. Eli just being a failure of a father. Eli being spiritually apathetic and weak. His kids being oppressive and sexually immoral in the tabernacle. 
And so God gave a message to this 11, 12-year-old boy to go up to the family of Eli and say, God is bringing judgment to you and your family. And if you read that story, that is exactly what came to pass. So if we're going to pray this dangerous prayer, just think about what Samuel says. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so I want to just encourage you this morning, don't pray this prayer unless you want to hear what God has to say. Don't pray this prayer unless you want to hear what God has to say. And so how can I encourage you with regards to this dangerous prayer? Speak to me, God. Speak, Lord, for your servants is listening. Once again, we have a church, as a church have gone into some of the, the deeper theology of, of discernment and the New Testament gift of prophecy and words of wisdom. We're not going to do all of that today. Rather, I'm just going to give you three basic ideas, spiritual ideas that every single person in this room or those joining us online can access so that we can be better positioned for God to answer this prayer in our lives so that we can hear His voice. And the first thought that I want to give you goes against everything in our culture. And so the first thought is this, you need to fight to be still before God. You need to fight to be still before God. Psalm 46 verses 10 doesn't say, get in the rat race and then you'll know that I'm God. Binge five hours on Netflix and then you'll know that I'm God. Mindlessly scroll through your social media for three hours and then you'll know that I am God. Work 15 hours a day and then you will know that I'm God. Go shopping all day and then you'll know that I am God. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And so I want to put this challenge out to you. When was the last time you spent more than five seconds being still before God? You know, so often our prayers are, maybe it's, and again, I'd rather you be praying than not praying, but so often our prayers are, as I'm driving to work, I've got this list of worries and concerns, and yes, the scriptures say that I must bring my burdens to Jesus, but so often, hey Lord, it's me again, blah, 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 and we give our shopping list of needs to God, and that's it. That's the sum total of our prayers. So once again, when was the last time you spent more than five seconds being still with God? You know, this isn't easy. I've tried to personally take up this challenge this year. And before I pray a word beyond, Lord, I want to be still with you. And then within three seconds, my mind is distracted. Within five seconds, my hand is twitching towards my iPhone. And I find it is so hard to be still and be with God. Anyone know what was invented in 1879? Any guesses? All right, did anyone say the light bulb? 
1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, and not only did the invention of the light bulb give us more light at, at nighttime, the light bulb gave us more working hours. Do you know, prior to the invention of the light bulb, the average person used to sleep easily 10 hours a night. Amen. Load shedding. Bring it on. And as you know, most of us struggle to get seven hours sleep a night at the moment. And so since the invention of the light bulb and electricity and all the gadgets that came after that, we have all sorts of devices that are there to make our lives easier and more efficient. We've got air conditioning, microwaves, washing machines, vacuum cleaners, to a point that in 1967, not 2017, 1967, a Senate subcommittee in the United States predicted that by 1985, that's a long time ago, they predicted in 1985, the average American would only need to work 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year because of all the leisure time these time-saving devices would give us. <laughs> and there's a reason why you're laughing out loud, Anik. Because we have less leisure time today than we did in 1985. Why? Think about it. Why is it that we simply cannot replace that time with rest? What is it about the human condition that fills these awkward spaces with my busyness and with my efforts? 2016 studies showed that the average person stares at their smartphone 2.5 hours per day. Three years later, a 2019 study shows that that figure doubled. Mental health professionals call this hurry sickness. Where hurry is not the occasional necessity, but it's the new normal. And so to quote, so we end up as good people but as people who are not very deep, not bad, just busy, not immoral, just distracted, not lacking in soul, just preoccupied, not disdaining depth, just never doing the things to get us there. Now listen, I know that you are very important. I know that you've got tons of emails. I know that you've got lots of people to see and lots of people who want to see you. I know you've got a watch list on Netflix. I know that you've got a group of followers on Instagram who absolutely have to know what you had for breakfast today. But I want to remind you of something we learned earlier this year, that though the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, when it was translated into Latin, the Latin word for those two words, be still, is literally the word vacate from which we get the word vacation. Take a time out. Vacate from playing God, from filling your time or having your time filled with chaos and hurry. This is not something God wants from you, it's something God wants for you. That you're able to rest and rest in His presence and be with Him. We need to fight to be still before God. The Christian philosopher, the late Christian philosopher, Dallas Willard was once asked, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? 
And he thought for a while. And his response has become enshrined. He says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so when we do this, we are creating space for our hearts and our minds to slow down to the pace of God and His voice. And we've spoken about the many ways that God can speak. And first and foremost, I'm just going to go through this very quickly. But first and foremost, God is always going to be faithful to speak to us through His Word. It is so easy to listen to a you version, you know, a, a few verses while I'm driving and worrying about all sorts of things. It's very different when I slow down my heart and I give God my affection and my attention. And then I spend time in His Word. God is also faithful to speak to us through circumstances, through people, through the promptings of His Holy Spirit. But it starts off with fighting to be still before God. So that's the first thought for us. The second one is we need to be willing. And what I want to emphasize here, when Samuel says, speak, Lord, he becomes willing to hear God's voice. We need to be willing to hear what God has to say. Again, so often when we analyze and audit our own prayer time, I set the agenda. And once again, those are good prayers to pray. But most of the time, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is some areas of my life that I need help, that I need wisdom. And then we stop there. I want to suggest we need to be courageous and willing enough to come to God and give Him a blank check. God, you speak. You speak into my life on anything that you choose. You know, I believe Jesus trains us to do this. Most of us, maybe when we grew up, we grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer. Where the first line of the Lord's Prayer just reminds us who this God is that we're praying to. He is a father. He is a daddy. I get to run into his arms and his lap and be embraced by his presence. And at the same time, hallowed be your name. He is this transcendent, almighty, holy creator God. That sets the tone for who I'm praying to. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, long before we get to what I want, Long before we get to my needs, long before we get to that line, give us. We were talking about it today as a worship team. The second line of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know, as a staff, we meet weekly, and there's a whole lot of things that we speak through, but we always open up with a time of devotion, which has become such a precious time for us as a staff, to be together and to be in God's presence together. And this last week, my wife actually shared the devotion with us, and she said some insights about this exact line, your kingdom come, your will be done, just highlighting how we, in our imagination, for many of us, maybe even most of us, when we pray this line, your kingdom come, your will be done, we don't really know what we mean by that. 
Either again, we're coming with my agenda. Lord, I need a new job. So what is your will with regards to my new job? Now, please pray that prayer. We are, but we are either coming with our agenda. Here's, Lord, where I need your will and your direction in my life. Or we're just like this vague Christianese prayer, right? Lord, your will be done. Like, just do your will out there. Do your kingdom juju stuff, you know, because I'm involved in my life and by praying this prayer, I'm sure you're doing some cool stuff out there, just got no idea what it is. But let me tell you why that line is a dangerous prayer to pray. By design, from page one of Scripture, to the final page of Scripture. God's kingdom was never intended to come apart from His people. God's kingdom was always to come in and through His people. As we are God's representatives to this world, that is literally what it means to be created in God's image. That God is not inviting us to be these minions down there who worship the God in the skies as long as it's the right God that gets us to the good place. God's plan from the word go, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Moses, David, finding its ultimate reality in Jesus Christ and then the church of the New Testament is that God involves us in the answer to that prayer. When we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done, we are anticipating my willingness to hear what God has to say and my willingness to be part of the answer to that prayer. Which is why when we say, speak, Lord, and I come with a willing heart, it is so dangerous because just like Samuel, just like the prophets, just like Mary, just like the Elizabeth, just like all the countless people that Jesus spoke to, they became part of God's kingdom coming. And so the more we pray that prayer with the willing heart, the more we are involved in God's kingdom coming. And so if we're going to be willing, number three, we need to be ready. We need to be ready, not only to hear, but to obey. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I am willing. And then this 11 and 12-year-old little boy had an option. When it came to this assignment, am I going to obey? You know, there's all sorts of reasons why it can be very tricky to hear the voice of God. I think one of the reasons why we're struggling to hear the voice of God is because we're praying, Lord, speak to me. And then we go, Lord, but I can't hear you. And God's saying, yes, but the last time I spoke to you, you ignored me. Either my agenda didn't line up with your agenda or the thing that I called you to do was too difficult or too risky. And now you're wanting me to speak to you here and I'm waiting for you to obey me here. Maybe he isn't showing you what to do in the future because you haven't done what he gave you to do in the past. And so if we're going to pray, Lord, speak to me. 
We need to be prepared to fight, to be still before God. We need to be willing to hear His heart, His will, His kingdom, His agenda. And then we need to be ready. If we truly give God a blank check, that we're going to obey and respond. And so maybe for some of you, this is where you're at. You're like, Stephen, 100%, God has spoken to me. And I don't know if I've been able to obey that fully. Or maybe as we pray this prayer, the Lord is going to pull us out of our comfort zone. But for some of you, He might say, listen, now's the time to lead something. Now's the time to lead a life group. Now's the time to get more involved in ministry and stop consuming by coming to church. Now's the time, I mean, today we're celebrating baptism. Now's the time to nail your colors to the mosque and get baptized. Maybe now's the time, you know, you've been coming to church, you've been praying about this things. You've been asking God and now's the time where you say, okay, Lord, now I respond to you and I'm willing to take your name and to become a Christian. Maybe now's the time you say, Lord, I'm going to speak to that person that you've been asking me to speak to, or I'm going to break up with that person with whom I have a destructive and sinful relationship. Or now's the time that I'm going to forgive this person who has hurt me so deeply. I don't know what it is God's going to call you to do. But we need to be willing and ready to obey. And by the way, this doesn't mean you're going to feel qualified This doesn't mean you're going to feel equipped. This doesn't mean you're going to feel prepared. Oh, easy peasy, God. No, most likely you're going to be scared witless. But you are going to need to lean on God's strength and God's word and God's wisdom and God's presence in a way you've never lent on Him before. That's called faith. And God's word says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So today we're also doing something which is so important for us as a church. Something that puts us in connection with churches around the globe today and churches of 2,000 years of church history where we're going to come together around the Lord's table in communion. But just remember, we're talking about, Lord, speak to me. And the challenge is that I am willing to pray that prayer and give God the blank check. And the challenge is that not only am I willing to hear from Him, that I am willing to obey what He calls me to do. Now, as we think about our time of communion, communion this morning, I want to show you how this is the life that Jesus lived and therefore it's the life that God invites us into. I was reminded this past week of just the the attitude that Christ brought with him into the garden of Gethsemane. Listen to this prayer, Luke 22 verses 42, Father. Remember the Lord's prayer, our Father. Look at the parallels between this prayer and the Our Father prayer. If you are willing, remember, we're asking about God's will, God's kingdom. If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Notice what Jesus is doing here. He's going to be alone with his Father 
at a time where I bet you he would have loved nothing more than to be distracted concerning what is coming in the following time. And yet he chose to be alone with his father and hear his father's voice. And then even the son of God had to wrestle with his willingness. So please don't feel like you're any less of a Christian when God speaks to you and he calls you to a massive step of faith and you're not immediately, yes, Lord. You know, like those guys who want to get the closest photographs of tornadoes. You know, we're not like that necessarily. Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Is there any other assignment you have for me, God? Is there any other way that you have for me? Jesus, pray that prayer. Lord, if there's any other way. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus fought to be still before his father's voice. Jesus himself, though it was a wrestle, came to the point of surrender and being willing. And then he acted upon that with readiness as he walked with great love and great courage and great boldness towards the cross. And so I'm going to ask that as we come together, there's going to be some music just playing gently in the background. As we come to the Lord's table, where we remember Jesus on the cross, we remember the work that he did for us. We remember the bread representing his body that was broken for us, his blood that was shed on our behalf. I want us just to discipline our hearts and minds that we start off with an attitude towards this is what you have done for me, Jesus. This is who you are. This is what you have done. You were willing. You were ready to obey. I now have full access to the heart of the Father because of what you did, your willingness and your readiness. And once you believe your heart is in that place, come forward, take communion. In your own time, let it be a moment of reflection and worship. And then at some point, we're going to allow this, this moment just to stretch on a bit. And once we've worshipped Jesus for who He is and what He has done, I want to ask that we transition into now what is my response. And even now in this place, we're going to fight to be still before God. And maybe some of us are going to fight to be willing. And maybe some of us are going to fight to be ready. But these are choices and decisions and postures that we can choose today. Jesus, I'm so thankful. Because of your obedience, your willingness, your readiness, your word says that for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame. And so Jesus, we love you and worship you. And we are so grateful to receive the grace that you are so willing to pour out for us. Even now, in this moment, because you made a way for us. 
And then Holy Spirit, I pray that the spirit of truth and the spirit that convicts us would minister to every person in this room as we fight to be still before you, as we fight to be willing, and as we fight to be ready to respond to what you call us to do. This we choose to do in your name, Jesus. Amen. Church, in your own time, let us do this together.